0: Welcome into the Eleven Dubcast, presented by Safe Light Auto Glass. Keep the drive going with Safe Light. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other, end. Kirk Herb Street will join momentarily. We will dig in a little bit on Michigan and Michigan State, Penn State this week as well, and my what? immense problem with millennials. But we will start, my good friend, <laughs> with with something that it just it's funny. It, I just want to talk about Demario McCall. I, can we do that? Can we do that yeah. first? We should do um, that every about,
1: podcast. We should. I, not, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Never apologize for talking about Demarco yeah, McCall. Exactly. So, this is a kid who, you know, obviously people on the site and and you know we adore this kid and his 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 personality, his talent, all of this. But this is a guy who, um, you and I talked about a lot this summer about. He can't get a single digit. We'll find out if if Urban serious about him in the in the fall because he'll have a single digit, or he won't. He didn't. He's still wearing thirty. And then we, I was I was as happy for him. I don't know him personally at all but I was as happy for him on Saturday as anybody in a while because oh, yeah. we all knew he had the talent. It finally clicked. You saw the the move he made on the touchdown run and you went, Holy cow. I don't care if he's playing against air. That kid deserves time with the ones like he's special. Yeah. And you, you start to Johnny, you start to say, okay, JK Dobbins, Mike Weber, DeMario McCall. Okay. There's something there I, I, to me. What he did on Saturday demands more run of consequence. I, I really think that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the dude's been banged up a little bit, and I think that's part of the reason why maybe you haven't seen him on the field as much, but he's clearly got the talent. I mean, the guy is is extremely fast. He's built a little bit better than I think maybe some people might think because he's, he's supposed to be the shifty guy, but he can yeah. definitely run through dudes if he needs to um you know it's about finding spots that that's really the eternal problem for the ohio state offensive coaching staff is like who do we put where who do we give the touches where and when um i mean you saw mike weber you know have touchdown after touchdown and about what like 40 yards or something total Uh, and that's fine like if you get in the end zone who gives a crap like give them the ball get in the end zone score points that's cool uh so I, i think sometimes maybe we we, we really want guys to have the crazy big, you know, Saquon Barkley game or whatever. And, uh, you know, if, if you can make an impact doing random things, I think that's fine. I, I, I think once he's fully healthy, I think tomorrow needs to be definitely part of the rotation uh, at top, you know, on, on the first stringers. But uh, it may take him a little bit to crack that and to just determine where they're going to want to put him and where he can, you know, have the most effectiveness. But if he wants to be a guy who, like, spells, you know, JK a little bit, I have zero problem with that whatsoever.
0: Well, I think he's going to be an H-back, is what I yeah. think. I think yeah. that's where they're going to, I think he'll end up being a Curtis Samuel type. And I think their offense will be best in that way. I think he's got pretty good hands from everybody I talked to down there who likes it. They say he's got pretty good hands. He's so shifty in space. And I think we're in a really good spot because we have, you know, Urban Meyer, who's, you know, kind of the one of the, you know, godfathers of the spread speed attack right i mean he's one of the originators him and rich rodriguez a couple other guys they kind of you know dreamt this thing up of the spread sprint option attack and um and so it's our you know so we have urban and then we have kevin wilson who really perfected the, the passing part of it at oklahoma and then the running part of it at times during indiana but we also have ryan day and ryan day is the quarterback coach at ohio state as, you, as all of you know but he was also with chip kelly at oregon and if you think of to those oregon teams Ah, uh, during the end of Chip, Chip's run, and you can go from the Jeremiah Masoli teams all the way to the Marcus Mariota teams. What you had was a ton of lightning quick guys in space. Whether it was LaMichael James, um, I'm, for for whatever reason, I'm blanking on the kid from Southern California who was just as fast as a lightning bolt on the on that same team with LaMichael James. They they had these running backs who were one cut and go running backs, and they had all these guys who could go horizontal to get vertical. And as I'm watching Demario McCall on Saturday, and we will touch on Mike Weber now as well. And you watch what Mike Weber did, and you watch what J.K. Dobbins did, and you see J.T. Barrett. And I know we did this on the site today, and it was spectacular of of how the passing game is evolving into what they ran at Oregon a little bit right. with all the crossing routes. Yeah, uh, that was great, and you could see it. And it was if you had a sense of familiarity watching Ohio State against Rutgers, you went if you if you put it together, and Kyle did. But if you put it together and you go, oh, that's it, is the Oregon offense that does that is what it looks like. They are taking parts of that and, and applying it here. I, I just see an Ohio State offense with with led by Barrett, Dobbins, Weber, and maybe DeMario's the guy who can be the fourth guy who can get horizontal to get vertical. Cause if you have that guy, boy, it's hard to stop. And I just remember those Oregon teams, you know, in the late, late, you know, 2009, 10, 11, 12, those teams. All the way to the team we played in 2014 that were just so electric and had so many weapons, and they were all these—they were all kind of these running back, scat back guys. And maybe that's the way Demario McCall is used, but he flashed, and um, and I'm optimistic about what I saw it offensively. Not just him, but Mike Weber as well, because that's a kid who now is running with confidence and purpose.
1: Oh yeah, well, it, so I actually kind of get away from the running game a little bit because one of the stats that I was looking at. Uh, after this weekend that I think really jumped out at me is that Ohio State is now 13th in the nation in yards per game in passing. Uh, mm-hmm. They haven't even touched that in, you know, basically since, I don't know, when, like forever, probably. But if you even look at 2014, right, where you include the national championship run and everything else, Ohio State didn't even get even close to that uh, in 20... What is it? I'm looking up. In 2014, they were 52nd in the nation and yards per yeah. passing, yards per game and passing. And now they're 13th. Um, that's a big deal. And, and I think that's something that maybe people don't really realize that they have started, I think, to really understand JT Barrett's strengths. He still can't throw the ball downfield. That still infuriates me. Uh, but if you can get the game going, if you can get the, the offense humming with short passes, those crossing routes that you talked about, that can be enough, at least for now. And, you know, granted, they're not going to have a – Huge, huge test until the end of October. But Maryland coming up is not necessarily a pushover. They got some other teams that might challenge. At them Lincoln
0: yeah. I think at Lincoln at night will be a little tricky. That's right. That and, has and potential so, to be tricky.
1: That's right. And so I think that uh, you've got a couple. Now you've got a couple uh, tools. You know, to, to you can use uh, in playing these teams. If you had asked me if they, you know, I had any real confidence in the passing game after the first couple games, I would say no. But They've started to figure out, I think, what works best for them. That's what good teams do. That's what good coaches are able to accomplish. And I think they're going to be a lot better uh, in terms of having a multifaceted offense than I really thought they're going to have, especially after the Oklahoma game. So that's that's a good sign. I, I appreciate that. And, of course, you know, when you beat the living crap out of <laughs> Rutgers, it's it's hard not to be a little bit more positive in the team overall, I guess.
0: I think you have to I think for a fan would sit there and would say to you well yeah Johnny they would they they just played army UNLV and they played records right. like of course they can do whatever they want against them sure. and a fan would have had have a point to a certain point but the 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 trump card on this is it's the way that they're doing it you hit on yes. it they're still not throwing the ball deep i don't know if they ever will um but but what is developing is a confident jt barrett underneath with all these guys running across his 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 face mask mm-hmm. and th- that's how they're making hay so that you know it's the it's the play two weeks ago with with uh paris campbell on the crossing route that he catches it on a full sprint and goes 70 yards that the the johnny dixon play last week th- those are that's where the offense is evolving to that's where the passing game is evolving to and so no, they're not hitting the deep ball, and they'll have to. I mean, they're going to have to. They're, they're not yep. going to be able to beat Penn State without being able to take some shots. They're not going to beat Michigan without taking shots. They sure as hell aren't beating, you know, um, Clemson or or Alabama or Oklahoma again without some ability to throw it deep. But at least you can say, okay, this is who we are now. And I think the reason I talk about Weber, Dobbins, and maybe McCall or whatever is is it's an identity. It's yes. it's oh, this is who we are offensively. And I think now we know that and and you brought up JT and you brought up the passing stats he passes Art as the all-time leading passing yardage player in the history of the program. He passed Drew Brees a couple weeks ago. Uh, first of all, thank God Art's off the top. I mean, <laughs> just a, just a de- despicable dude. So yeah. so thank goodness he's off the top. I know some people have fond memories of him as a player, but he's just a bad guy. Well, he's, and, in, um, he's in
1: federal prison for a reason, I think. So, I mean, that's...
0: Oh, and every he's just a con man. Every time he gets out, yeah. I remember meeting him when he got out the last time before he pulled the last, you know the last junk when he was in Columbus. So, I mean, he's just a bad dude. So um, anyway, I'm glad that JT is at the top of that. He's a solid citizen and a good dude. And um, that's a big one. That records held for 30 years and, and, and to get it, you know, it takes longevity, it takes snaps, but it also takes excellence. And there's been, you know, he, he benefited from, from Braxton Miller's injury, certainly. Um, But he, frankly, he probably would have broken the record had he not played that year in, in 2014 anyway. So um th- this, is, this, is a, this is a player of consequence. His book is very much not completely written. There's a couple of chapters left, and they'll play out over the next couple of months. Um, but 20 years from now, you're going to look back, and I think it's going to be a tough record to break because you're just not going to see quarterbacks start for four years at Ohio State.
1: Oh, yeah, that's definitely a dying breed, especially when you have the kind of recruits that come in um that you're seeing. I mean, it's gonna be really hard for people to kind of maintain that, especially if they get injured or something else happens. Um yeah, that's it's a remarkable record. I mean, pretty much everything that he's putting up has been remarkable. And I, <laughs> it's it's never gonna cease to amaze me the the amount of crap and derision that he gets, uh despite being, you know, literally the, the best passer statistically in Ohio State football history. Um but well, he
0: doesn't wow yet. I mean, he doesn't have those no. moments with the arm or the legs where you go, yeah. holy smokes. I mean, do you think how many of those we had? That, that's why it is. I think it's that simple. I really no, do. Is. I just think Braxton had so many with his feet. Uh, even TP had some. Cardale had it with his arm. You watch JT play, and you don't ever sit there and go, holy cow, we are in the presence of greatness. But yeah. what you are is in the presence of consistent goodness, and, and that should be commended too.
1: And that's hard to achieve. I mean, especially yeah. when it you're is. playing the kind of teams that you're playing and, and and you've got a lot of, you know, a lot of players and a lot of flux around you. You don't have a ton of consistency on the coaching staff for him to be as good as he's been <laughs> and consistently good as he's been uh, is, is really remarkable. And, uh, you know, he's not going to he's not going to have one of those Troy Smith plays right at Penn state. When the Penn state came to Ohio Mm -hmm. state and he like ran around half the field and then threw for a touchdown. He's not going to have the Braxton Miller, like dunking on Wisconsin play. Um, Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have to, I mean, if if you win a game by 20 points, sometimes that's better than having to throw a last second Hail Mary, you know, because you missed five passes in a row in the third quarter. So I, I understand the feeling that you want to have this, this great, you know, insane athlete that does these amazing feats that you can kind of point to when you're old and gray and go, wow, I saw him play, but not those guys don't always win the game. And frankly, like I want a guy who's going to win the game. And if JT Barrett gives Ohio state, the best capability of doing that, then I want him as the quarterback. Like every time, you know, Dwayne Haskins was out there throwing like ropes, you know, to people. And yeah, we'll have that that insane, that insane wheel route pass that he threw was beauty, but
0: yeah, look, it'll be fun.
1: It'll be fun, but I want to, I want to enjoy what we have, which is a really, really good, consistent quarterback who's going to allow Ohio State to win a lot of football games and possibly yeah. get them back to the national championship picture. So,
2: yeah, which is in play. I'd like, it. I'm fine play. with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you hit on it. I mean, you talk about three offensive coordinators, three quarterback coaches for JT too. So. Yep. You know, he has had some adversity. Uh, all right, still to come, we will uh, check in on Michigan and Penn State, as we always do. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll go our three things for the game against Maryland this week. And coming up next, we'll be joined by ESPN and Columbus's own, our boy, Kirk Herbstreit, who uh, started the same radio and television station that I did when I was in Columbus. So I look forward to that. He is coming up next um also i have a big problem with millennials so we're going to get to that too so we will get to all of that coming up a little bit later on but I, i want to remind you of course as you know this is the the greatest country on earth and it is america and boy do we love a road trip don't we when you road trip you can get chipped or cracked glass in your windshield. That has to be fixed right away. It's just not safe to drive around like that. And that's where SafeLite comes in with their mobile glass services and locations all over the country. Your NICs can be fixed and done quickly. SafeLite can service 97% of the U.S. population with more than 7,200 mobile glass shops and repair facilities. Folks, you know their name for a reason. Better replacement technology, stronger repairs, nationwide lifetime warranty. I've used them. I've used the product. I couldn't recommend them highly enough check out safe light for all your auto glass needs we are joined now by kirk herb street uh, one of the faces of the one of the most influential television shows in sports history certainly and i want to start there with you herbie i really appreciate your time and um I, I want to go back to 1996 and 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 craig james was boy at the top of of his career at that point he makes the decision to go to the nfl and then this spot's open right and it's college game day and it was just starting to really take off at that point and then you took you guys took get to a whole nother level once you got on board but uh how did it come about how did how did you find out that you were in the running how did the audition process go and then and then once they go you know what kirk we're going to go with you are you aware at all of of what that leads to
2: uh first great to join you guys i i i gotta tell you this is so long ago this this was i started to work at espn in 95 as a sideline reporter for a brand new station or network called ESPN two. It was that old like Keith Olbermann in the leather coat was Susie Colbert show. Do you remember that when we first started it? So uh, I was there for a year. And at the end of that year, uh, you know, I started to do arena football as a color analyst for one year. That was that, that's that, that time it was in the, I guess, maybe it still is, but in the spring and summer, in the middle of calling games, By the way, Kurt Warner, the quarterback for the Rams Hall of Famer, he was the quarterback that year for a team called the Iowa Barnstormers. So we were <laughs> doing a lot of their games. And in the middle of that season, I got a call from ESPN. That's, literally, they said to me, um, come in for this audition. Craig James left. This is like pre-computers and internet and email. I mean, it was it was just, you know, you're on pay phones and there were no cell phones. You know, you, it was old school. And um, so it wasn't easy always to get a hold of people. But they left a message for me and said, "Um, we want you to come in for an audition. And they literally told me, you're not going to get the job, but it'd be really good as young as you are and in this industry just to go through the experience. And so that was, I just showed up. I had no idea what I was doing. They flew Corso and and Fowler. And I think there was maybe five or six different guys that they were thinking about hiring. And they gave us some some notes of, of, you know, some storylines from the previous year. And we all probably got about I don't know four or five minutes on the set to sit there and talk about whatever it was I can't remember what we talked about, and then that was it. And you're done. And and then I went back to covering arena football. And and I think about two months later I got a a phone call from my attorney um, who said, Hey ESPN wants to hire you, and they want you to uh, work on College Game Day. And I was just like. I was standing in the uh, Detroit airport on my way to um, on a payphone on my way to an arena game, and I was sitting there. People are walking all around me, you know, doing what you know, just doing their business. And I'm standing there, to, like my mouth open, like, "Are you, I cannot! I cannot believe that I'm going to be working on college game day." And that was this the summer of '96, and then that you know, a couple months later. Uh, we started the show up and been doing it now for for 22 years. So it's it's really very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. And and uh, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun, obviously, doing the show.
0: And obviously cool. the talent that you have fits it. And, and, and so you, you get on in, in 90, the chemistry from the beginning uh, is, is instant with you guys. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it's a hit. And, and what, I guess the follow up to that naturally is um, as you, as you get on that thing, you're aware of, of what it is. Clearly you're aware that it's a career game changer, but um, now you've been doing it for 20 years, Kirk, and I, you guys have changed the culture of college football. I mean that, like uh, of the tailgate process, the Saturday morning process, you're part of that. I mean, it's you are linked to the sport. Um, at, at what yeah. point did you realize that you were having that type of cultural impact with game day?
2: Man, I, you know, for, for us, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, you know, when you're you're doing your jobs or my job or whoever's doing their job, you really don't, especially when you're 26 or 27, when you first start doing it. You're really not thinking about five years down the road or 10 years down the road. You're not even thinking of the next year down the road. You're just like, wow, this is really fun. I don't know what it's going to lead to. I have no idea. I mean, when I started doing radio at WBNS, making $12,000, I didn't do it to think, wow, one day I'm going to be calling games on Saturday Night ABC. I, I just did it because I listened to talk radio my whole life and thought it would be a really cool job. You know, I had no idea what what it would lead to. And so for me to be on game day, when we first started, I mean, there might be a thousand people around our our set. um, No signs, no flags, just people kind of, probably half of them didn't even know what was going on. They might just kind of walk by and, and see us. And so when I got that, I didn't really look at it necessarily from the industry's perspective. Like, wow, this is a life changing moment. You know, this is really gonna help my career. I looked at it from a player's um, perspective. Like this is the show that we all watch. To mm-hmm. this is like, I can't believe that show that every player all over the country watches. That I'm going to be sitting on that desk. That that's probably more of how I looked at it than from a, a career perspective. But again, this was 1996. This is right. such a long time ago. But. I think when I realized it was, ironically enough, we just went to Virginia Tech last week for a Clemson, Virginia Tech game, and it's been a while since we've been there. Uh, in fact, it, the last time we were there was after the horrific uh, accident, or not accident, but the horrific tragedy that uh, there was a shooting on their campus in the spring, and then we went uh, just to kind of honor them the next year to start the season. So it's been a long time. And the, the changing uh, for me when it changed was 1999 when Michael Vick was still at Virginia Tech, and Frank Beamer was the first coach to embrace the, the concept of game day. Instead of looking at it as a nuisance or what are you, what are they doing, he looked at it like, wow, well, this is really good. We can use this as almost an infomercial. This is, so he embraced it. He he did it. he did he broke every rule. Oh, we've been, we've been using this parking spot since 1926. We can't, we can't, I don't care. We're doing that, put that there, like whatever these people need, do it. And not Mm -hmm. that we need that, but, but it just showed he really valued it. And then they had like, they challenged their fan base and I swear 18,000 people, they filled their entire home side Um, and 18,000 people showed up for our show. And from that point on, it just changed everything. The signs, okay, if, if Virginia Tech can get 18000 we can get more. You know, it became that kind of thing. And the other thing I would tell you that changed is when Mark Shapiro was, was one of our bosses in the years that he was an executive at ESPN, he said, we are no longer going just to ABC and ESPN games. We're going to the game. If we're going to be the the, the mouthpiece of the sport as a studio show – we need to go to SEC games and CBS and Fox and NBC and whoever's televising the game, wherever the game of the week is, that's where this show needs to be. And that really changed how I think people looked at our show because then that show became, wow, we, we are putting the stamp on that's the kind of the, the hotbed of college football for this particular Saturday. Um, right. But it, that changed when Sh- Mark Shapiro Kind of came up with that that approach, which was very outside of the box thinking back in that day when he made that decision.
1: So, I mean, because I kind of want to, I want to ask you a little bit more about that because one of the things that I think is really interesting is, you know, as Bo kind of said, is is how much you guys set the tone and the atmosphere for just. I mean, it's called college game day, and it affects the entire day. I mean, one thing leads right into the next with what you guys are able to do. But I guess the question that I want to know is how much intentionality goes into the tone and the culture that you guys kind of cultivate with the information and, and the stuff that you put out there. I mean, you've got like, you know, the Tom Rinaldi stuff and everything else and, and the getting yeah. people in the proper mood. How intentional are you guys about that? To, especially to differentiate yourselves from like the NFL, you know, the following day, which yeah. is definitely yeah. a totally different tone.
2: That's a great question. I, I don't, I, I would just tell you that we are intentional on on one thing and that is, and it, i we we Chris Fowler and I were were always very, very, very um aware of this and challenged each other as, as the show grew in popularity and notoriety. We always went out of our you know, when we go to a certain location, we, we there's you know, twenty or thirty media members if we're in Columbus or Iowa City or wherever we are, Tallahassee, and we do some interviews on Friday and, and we've always said it's flattering, we appreciate it, but let's go out of our way remind each other and people that this this success is not about us. This this success of this show is about this sport. If we're the same people doing this show for the NFL or the ML, MLB or NBA or college hoops or you name it, this show would not have had this kind of an impact on a sport. So the first thing I think we always go out of our way as we prepare a show is to make sure especially in this day and age where it's all about me, 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 we're the opposite of that. We're, it's about the coaches. It's about the players. It's about the storylines. And, you know, we have a little fun on the set and we goof around and Lee puts a hat on at the end. <laughs> but I think with our show, it's, man, we're just trying to be a vehicle or kind of a conduit between the fans and the tailgating, like you're saying, that's all over the country and the college football sport itself. And we're just trying to get whether you're in I don't know, um Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Columbus, Ohio, or, you know, Tallahassee or Austin, you can flip on game day and get that kind of vibe, that feel. It looks like there's four or five guys that just look like they're having a great time and then Rinaldi or Gino is gonna make you cry. And <laughs> it's just it's like you're gonna laugh, you're gonna get some XOs, you're you know, so I do, I think if there's one thing that's intentional, it's trying for three hours to, to continue to surprise you, be unpredictable, um, give you a mix of different things, but at the same time, just be respectful of the sport and of the storylines. And that, that's, that's honestly our mission, uh, every single week. And as long as we stay in that lane, especially if you watch television today, it's, it's not very common because I think if you tune on, mm-hmm. if we tuned into a show right now uh, you would see people making it more about them and their opinion and beating a desk. And, you know, we've never, we've just never done that. And, and as long as I'm on the show, um, we never will. That's just not, that's just not who we are.
0: Kirk, I, I've had the uh have the privilege in my career to cover pretty much every big sporting event you could and I, I would I say to anybody who asks and now I'm in Cleveland and you know there's a lot of pro people here and I, I always say and I get a lot of heat from it up here when I say it but I say listen there's nothing better than a big game on campus like there's nothing right. in sports better not a Super Bowl not a World Series not not the NBA Finals there's nothing when you when you go to campus and fortunate enough to be to some in the south and obviously Columbus for almost 10 years and 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 you, you're six, seven blocks away, and you hear kind of the buzz of game day, ah, there's just yeah. nothing quite like that. And I, I remember when some of the NFL pregame shows tried to take it on the road because they tried to emulate you, which had to be an incredible form of flattery. It just doesn't work anywhere <laughs> other than college football.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I live in Nashville, and I go to the, the Titans home games with my my wife and my boys, and it's almost like watching another sport. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy. Um, how, you know, I think I think you've got to get to the postseason uh, in those other sports, baseball and NBA and and NFL and NHL to to come close to what college football enjoys at a lot of a lot of venues on a, on a given Saturday. For me, it's it's I, it's funny you, that you and I are talking today because I'm game days at TCU uh, this week for West Virginia TCU, and then the game I'm calling uh, um, I'm going up to Ann Arbor to call Michigan and Michigan State. And this is why I do what I do because I I love I'm just an I'm kind of like you know Jack Park I'm kind of like a nerdy <laughs> just college football junkie so like today I'm doing all my preparation different things and somehow I I I Googled Michigan State and Michigan and was looking at some some of their historical uh, games over the years and and then you know sometimes when you do that off to the right when you're done with that it says here's some other video and somehow i got on to bo schimbeckler speeches so now i'm watching you know bo schimbeckler and different speeches in the locker room and he, you know, he talks like a general that's getting ready to send the, the troops out to war you know and the way he was talking and i was like i got done with one of those and i watched another one and then somehow that led me to keith jackson some of the greatest moments of keith jackson and i mean i'm sitting there for i don't know two hours watching these different videos and it's exact for me, and it's who I'll always be, exactly what you're describing. Um, there's money, there's fame, there's glitz and all that in, in the pro ranks. And, and maybe for people that grew up in, in that world, that's, that's the, the, the mecca for them. And that's awesome. I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in the backyard like a lot of people in Ohio. And I loved high school football and I loved uh, Big Ten football. And to be able to do the job that I'm doing right now and still being that person inside me, I mean, I've been, my agents asked me in the past, do you want to go do NFL and all that? There's opportunities and they could not pull me to, to an NFL stadium to make me do an NFL game, no matter how much money they potentially would pay me, I would just wouldn't do it. And it has everything to do with the college game. And, and it's why I'm so protective of the game and, Sometimes get into arguments with people, uh, whether it's on Twitter or on on, on camera, you know, sometimes because I, I really just care about protecting the sport and, and that next generation uh, getting these, these same moments that, that we've enjoyed for so many years. Well, one of
1: the things you kind of mentioned, you brought it up. I mean, you you will do game day and then sometimes you have to travel quite a bit to get to where you're actually, you know, calling the game. Um, and I just one of the things that struck me is just how insanely compacted your schedule has to be at a certain part yeah. in the week. Like how has how has that prep and that, you know, creation of game day kind of evolved from twenty-two years ago to the present? Because I feel like I mean, I was I was in college in two thousand three, game day came to Ohio State, I think, for a Purdue game, or maybe it was two thousand and four, I can't really remember. Um but the, the production, everything that I saw seemed to be so much smaller, so much more compact than what you see now. How has that evolved over time? Oh, my gosh. You know, now... I, I got to imagine, like, the amount of people that are
2: employed and that are <laughs> doing things, like, it's... <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 embarrassing, you know, when we show up now on a campus because, I mean, I don't know how many trucks um, are are with us, but... It looks like, you know, like you're going to a to a concert or something, yeah. you know, with the amount of people that that are putting the stage together and the guys that that drive the trucks and, you know, it's it's just incredible. I don't know how many. I really don't know how many people that it takes on a on a given weekend. I just know when you look over top of like where our setup is and how many how many different buses and trucks and different things that there are, it's it's it really is amazing to to think where it was like when you were in school to, to where it is now. And I really don't remember when it it got to that point. I I can't remember. Um, but my week, as far as my prep, if I'm not talking to guys like yourselves or, you know, sitting down and eating dinner with my wife and kids or going to a ball game with my kids, you know, I'm pretty much either on the phone with a producer or a coach um, or a player or looking at film Um, and again, I'm never, ever would complain, uh, about it because I, I have the greatest schedule and the greatest job as far as I'm concerned in America. So it's all good stuff and fun, but definitely don't feel sorry for me when game day is in, you know, Fort Worth and then the show ends and I have to fly up to, uh, to Ann Arbor. Um, ESPN makes it as as simple as possible. And when I get on the plane, you know, I get right back to my board and my notes for the game I'm calling that night, and we get our Wi-Fi, me and Felica, the bear, we get our Wi-Fi up and trying to pay attention, yelling out different scores. And, you know, that's probably my favorite part of my job on a given week is when game day and the game I'm calling are in the same location. Game day gets done at noon. We tape a segment or two on the set after, and then I sprint uh, to our bus and that's heaven because the air conditioning's on we t- it's dark and we have food and we have five TVs in the back of the bus and we're just you know just like you guys or anybody else we're yelling at the TV and just being fans and that's probably my favorite part because I get to watch games and when you watch them live for me it's very different from when you hear about a game and then go back and you dvr it at home or, or you go back and watch it online or whatever, you already know the final and you know, the turning point and all that. But man, when you watch a game, I just feel like you can really form some strong opinions about a team based on what you see firsthand. And so that's why for me, it's so important to get off the show and, and then get to the bus, uh, to, to watch those games every week. That's like the world's
0: greatest man cave you just described, right? I mean dark, cool, all sorts of food, five
2: TVs. I mean that's that, it's like I mean, every that, guy. Is that any good or what? I mean it's especially when it's like a hundred degrees out in right. Gainesville or Baton Rouge, it's like right. I mean, I'm I'm I run hot as it is. It can be yeah, it could be seventy two out and I'm I'm like, okay, I I need to get in the air conditioning. It's about sixty five, oh, yeah, it's that... nice and dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect man.
0: Uh I'll get and, uh, you out of here on some quick ones, Herbie. Just some uh some quick hitters. Best Friday night meal. Uh you get one more. Uh you, somebody said God says Kirk, you get one more Friday night meal on campus. Where is it? What do you order?
2: Oh my gosh. I would probably say um place called uh the five restaurant down in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Um and they just have incredible fish depending on what time of the year that you're there. Uh, but usually I'll get like a, a black and red fish um, and it's just just on point. It's it's really, really good. I'm one of those guys that I, I see two or three things that I really like, especially when we go as a crew and I'll say, give me the fish and whatever. And then I'll be like, but I heard that cheeseburger you guys make is really good. <laughs> um, so why don't you bring two of those cheeseburgers and just cut it up in quarters And just, we call that in the middle. So there's always like your order. And then we, and that call, yeah, I want to, one day, everybody teases me. One day you're going to open up a restaurant called in the middle. And so you guys (laughs) use that one time. Eat the healthy part of your meal is what you order, but you can just, you know, you can take a little bit of, I'll take a little of that burger, that little quarter section right there. Wow. Everyone laughs at me for doing it. And then they partake and the burgers are history uh by the end of the meal so that but that that place is great if you ever get down there there's also one in knoxville
0: i feel like you just reinvented the wheel with that i've never <laughs> that's the smartest thing i've ever heard in my life i can't believe oh, and yeah. i've reached you this age ahead. and not thought of that the in the middle order is a game change i mean that's in the middle I'm not in the middle. Smoke. of, of no, all the I'm things we you. talked about today that will resonate
2: i'm telling you <laughs> go healthy with what with what you order you yeah, go healthy of and then you know Brilliant. there's like you're at a place and it's like, man, that lasagna looks really good or whatever it is. You're like, man, I, I don't want the whole meal, but a couple bites. that in the middle and I'll just take a little spoonful or a couple. We're good to go. You know, that way. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's enormous. Hey, you gotta try that. <laughs> I'm, well, that's done. I'm doing that the rest of my life. Uh, retired coach you
2: miss the most. Um. Great question. I you know who the guy I love, um, from a personality was Steve Spurrier. I, I still get a kick out of listening to him talk. Um, you know, he's on the radio some now. Um he he's just there's just something about how you you if you were in Gainesville, you know what I'm talking about. It's just how he yeah. he doesn't mean to say what he says sometimes. I think he's just so honest. And I just love entertain I love coaches that entertain us. And uh, I, I think he's incredibly entertaining with uh, with some of the stuff he used to say to the media.
0: I used to, I used to do the Bobby Bowden coaches show, and Bobby would be Bobby's just you know he's a genuine article, and they would go play golf on the Nike trips, and then Spurrier sure. would just crush him with free shoes, you and all this stuff in the lead up, and Bobby'd be like, "Man, why you got to do that? Why you got to be like that?" And it was <laughs> it was just, it was just who he was. Um, it was the funniest thing though, because Bobby like. You know, he's FCA and World War Two and all this stuff, and Spurrier's oh, really yeah. not that much younger. I mean, he's younger, nice. clearly, but not that much. And and just that one generation of difference. Bobby could never understand how Spurrier could just crush him during the week.
2: And it was almost oh, like, why is he got to do that? You know, and it was just oh, – I just hilarious. remember it. It was yeah. so funny. So great. Uh, yeah, last they, one they, for they, you. They, uh, the, the, sometimes the fans get caught up in th- – those coaches yeah. are supposed to hate each other, but you get them on a Nike trip or away from yep. – social media where they can actually just kind of hang out and, and some funny things happen, you know, no matter who, yeah. the, who the coaches are.
0: Absolutely. I'll get you out of here on this. I know, I know that you're red big time Reds fan, but also a big time blue jackets fan. Um, And, but you're in Smashville. So how have you balanced that?
2: Well, I am mean, a i I make it very clear. I'm, I'm, I'll always be a Reds fan. I've kind of drifted from the Bengals. I don't know if it's my age or Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Perfect. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm just not a huge Bengals fan like I used to be, so I, I I, I follow the uh, the Titans. I'm just not a big NFL fan at at my age anymore. Um, But the NHL, I am a diehard, diehard Blue Jackets fan. Always will be. I've enjoyed. I've been happy for the city because I live in Nashville. I go down, and when when the city you're living in goes to the Stanley Cup, I mean, and you have a chance to go, you're gonna go and and enjoy it. And it was magical, man. I've never seen postseason hockey to that level. I've seen the Jackets play the Wings and the Penguins, and it's been awesome, but it's been disheartening. Um, and to watch a team just move through and just to, to really see the grind that these guys go through, I'm just more res- just respecting uh, the, what, what the, the Preds did last year. But if the Preds played the Jackets in the Stanley Cup, I mean, it is very clear. Uh, what side I would be on, but uh, in the meantime, if they get knocked out, the cool thing is they're in different conferences, yeah. so that 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 also uh, helps out. Uh, they used to obviously be rivals when they were both in the Western Conference, but with the Jackets now in the Eastern Conference, it it makes it a lot easier to uh, to manage that. But yeah, diehard diehard uh, Columbus Blue Jacket fan. My things that are left for me to cheer for as a fan are Blue Jackets, Ohio State basketball. I, I just I'm a blinded. Ohio State hoops fan hoping a uh, new coach can get them going mm-hmm. and um the reds and uh th- those are kind of like my my main things at this point. Ohio State football it when you're doing the games you, you know it's very weird it's kind of like an out of body thing. You just mm-hmm. you you you've trained yourself to just analyze the game. Um yeah, sure. I, I I have a job to do and I I have to analyze if it's good it's good if it's bad it's like I just see teams. Um when I'm done doing that And if I'm if I'm not calling an Ohio State game and I'm on the bus and Ohio State's one of the games up on the board, I'm like I was when I was 12 years old. I'm just going absolutely crazy. And uh, for some reason, people have a hard time understanding that you can you can do both. You know, you can be a you know, you can be a crazy fan. And then when you call the game, you got to respect the game itself and and you got to call it and evaluate it and analyze it and do whatever you're going to do. But. Um, but, yeah, those are, the, those are the things that I have left uh, to cheer for.
0: Kirk, last one for you. I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get raked over the calls on message boards if I don't ask you about this year's Ohio State football team. So what are your impressions a month in?
2: Um, uh, yeah, the, the Oklahoma game shocked me <clears throat> calling it. um, Didn't think – I thought the game would be very competitive. I have a lot of respect for Baker Mayfield as a player. I didn't know if the skill around him – would play as well as they did. I mean, I don't know if you guys realize, but other than the transfer, badette from Kentucky, there are a lot of young guys. Once Mm -hmm. Mark Andrews went out, they had a lot of young guys that really had never been in that environment that balled. I mean, they played well besides Baker. Um, And so that part shocked me, that they were able to go into that environment and and do that. Ohio State not really fighting, uh, fighting back in the second half, especially defensively uh surprised me so it was very predictable in fact when we were leaving the stadium that night you know i I can't remember who off the top of my head i I mean i know they played rutgers and whoever else unlv and 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 it was just like okay the next four or five weeks everyone's going to get back on thinking okay this team here they are now they go but truly until they play Penn state we're going to have no earthly idea how much they've improved um and that's kind of where i am right now. Uh, Maryland seems to be a team that's that's found a little bit, um, but but they're, they'll be outmanned when they play Ohio State, and so you know we'll find out when when Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley and company, especially after what happened a year ago, not just in the game, but with Ohio State going to the playoff and Penn State winning the Big Ten championship. I mean, there, there's a lot of spice and a lot of good stuff uh, for both sides. You know, not just Penn State, but Ohio State. Losing to Oklahoma the way they did, here's their opportunity to kind of get back into the discussion, and with Penn State and everything that happened last year, I mean that that's when you'll find out um, about both teams really, not not just Ohio State.
0: Kirk Herbstreit, thank you for the time, sir. We do appreciate it, and we're I I think I speak for all of us that have you know whether you're somebody in Columbus or like me who worked at the Fan and worked at Channel 10, and I'm just incredibly proud to have any association with you, and it's it's great to talk to you, and we really appreciate it.
2: Man, that's very nice of you to say. Anytime you guys want to talk, let's catch up uh, maybe around the Michigan games. Hopefully the Bucks are in the middle of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be fun. Thanks, sounds man. Sounds good, guys. You got it.
0: All right, we'd be sure to uh, visit Eleven Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. drygoods.11warriors.com. And Johnny, I know you have a big influence in the dry goods. I, I don't. I say that. I say I know you do, but the reality is I don't. I just assume that you have something to do with my favorite shirt, which is the Sherman shirt, and then something to do with the trolling of North Carolina. So um, I, I go to you as the official czar of, of dry goods. Well, I've given you that title. That. I, <laughs> I don't know.
1: You know what? Like, I think the Sherman shirt was kind of a, a natural. Like, this is where we got to go. Kind of thing. I don't know that it was. It was something I was pushing for, but I did help out with the the uh, first and flight shirt, the the one that we're kind of dunking on North Carolina a little bit. And so, what's interesting, we got a we got an email to the Dubcast from a guy named Isaac, and I just want to read this real quick about the shirt. This is interesting. He says, after listening to the last episode of the Dubcast where he discussed North Carolina's asinine first and flight claim, I figured I'd send you a quick quick note that further complicates the matter. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, so the invention of the airplane is part of my hometown identity and something I always accepted as fact. Then I married a Brazilian, and that's where things got messy. Turns out Brazilians learned in school that Alberto Santos Dumont was the first person to fly an airplane. <laughs> this, and you know what? And he sent this email, and I'm like, they were they they had a whole segment about this dude on the uh, on the Summer Olympics on the opening ceremonies. They had this, his, yeah. this plane flying across the stage. I'm like that's a bullcrap. He goes on to say, Isaac goes on to say, or I, yeah, Isaac says, uh, this has been a point of contention between me, my wife and I and our families, but we've begrudgingly visited historical sites for each Carillon Park and the Wright Flyer in Dayton and Santos Dumont's house in workshop in Petropolis, Brazil, <laughs> which I think is fascinating that this guy's done this. Um, my right. wife and I have uh, a Dayton magnet from Caroline Park uh, next to a Santos Dumont magnet from Petropolis on our fridge. Uh, keep up the good work, Isaac. So uh, I just Fantastic. I think that's incredible. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's a, that's a really interesting story that I'd forgotten about. I still think, uh, Isaac. Sorry, I keep saying his name wrong. Um, but I have done a little bit of research into the subject because I actually remember that that claim that was made during the the Summer Olympics opening ceremonies. My point that I would make uh, to say that the right. Wright brothers have supremacy over uh, the Brazilian inventor is that they had kind of true powered flight I guess if that's what you want to say in other words they uh, had sustained powered flight whereas the Brazilian inventor guy uh, he really kind of didn't have the same type of flight so it, it, he did have motorized flight but it wasn't exactly controlled it was more like a glider uh, uh, as opposed to the right flyer. Uh, which truly flew. And by the way, if you guys have never been to Carillon Park in Dayton, I really recommend that you guys check it out. It's it's really cool. Um, growing up Middletown, we would take school trips there all the time. Yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty pretty neat spot down by the river there. So check it out and and go to Brazil maybe and check out Petropolis. <laughs> right. right. See that. By the way, I, I just got, it was I, cool. I really appreciate that email, uh, right. Isaac, I got a North
0: Carolina quarter the other day, and it and you know they always sit they're first in flight, and I was giving you a hard time. I was saying they're just better marketers than we are, right? right? They've just marketed better. Um, but the quarter didn't say first in flight; it said first flight. Ah, see thought, there you go. Boy, that's interesting that they've taken out the in. they don't know if it's on. Yeah, but I don't know if anybody even realizes it outside of people in Ohio. I bet well, if you ask most people, they think it all happened in North Carolina because of the marketing. Which is, something, uh, yes. so anyway. by the
1: way, the yeah. the image on Ohio's quarter is, of course, an astronaut. So I just want to I want to point that out as well.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you got to one up them. We we can yeah that's exactly right. All right, let's do the uh, Michigan minute quickly. Wilton Spates out. It's John O'Corn now. Time uh, they host Sparty this week. They're on the bye week where Jim Harbaugh used it to go off the high dive at the Michigan Natatorium. So good for him. The guy's just a, a delightful lunatic. Uh, this is a this is a fun game. We heard Herbie say he's going to call the game. Um, it's a fun game, and and Dino is is you know after years of kind of being the the next guy, the last couple of years he's he finally got passed. You know, by Penn State and by Michigan. And he's he's kind of the fourth rung. I hate to count him out. I know a lot of people like Michigan in the game, but I I kind of wonder if maybe he's got something for him this week.
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, they've got they've got an interesting quarterback at Michigan State, a guy who can do some things, you know, that, that maybe you wouldn't expect out of Michigan State quarterback. Uh, I think John O'Corn though is really the answer, or at least that quarterback for Michigan. I just spate was just unbelievably you know inconsistent in so many different ways as a quarterback and he was throwing a lot of interceptions and it's it's sad that he's injured and that's you know the kind of what ended up taking him out of the, the running but i think they'll just be better offensively overall um i would rate the can opener that jim harbaugh did off that high dive yeah about a 9.2 it was very good and a can
0: opener is a savvy move. You know that's a savvy move because yep. you're getting a big splash. That's you're right. You're not going to get hit in the minerals. Um, you get it, it's a nice move. It's not. doesn't have the big dramatic problems that can happen with a cannonball. It's not higher a toothpick, of- which is a little Nancy yeah. boy. I mean, it's a manly thing. I, I'm with you. I think you're right there, 925. I, I co-sign that.
1: That's right. It was, it was You know, higher level of technicality, I think, than a cannonball, yeah. so it looks a little more elegant. Right. Did it fully clothed. Um, yep. my favorite part is him putting his hat back on in the pool. So his, his hair did so great know, jumping as maniac, he's just a maniac. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a beautiful human being. And I, I truly enjoyed that. So I, I think Michigan's got the advantage there against Sparty. I think they'll, they'll do well. Their defense is just their coach Brown is, is stupid. Good. Um, so yeah. they'll, they'll be fine. I think. And, and Michigan state has fallen off a little bit, but that'll be a fun game to watch. I'm excited for that one.
0: Yeah, it will be. Uh, We want to remind you, please don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes. Please rate highly. We would appreciate that. Uh, All right, time for three things on the upcoming game. It's Maryland this week. DJ Durkin, good Youngstown guy, returning home. I was shocked to find out he's only 39. I guess that's appropriate. I can't believe how young he was when I knew him at Florida. I mean, that's 10 years ago. He's in his late 20s. And I think he was the defensive coordinator at Florida at that time, which is incredible. Um, but boy, what a what an incredible coaching career that guy's had! And so um, he brings a Maryland team in here off of off a win over Minnesota that was that shocked me. I didn't know if they could pull it off, but it seems like they've kind of they've kind of found their footing a little bit. And um, so the first thing for me is is I am so intrigued and and excited about where the offense is going. And um, I think you can see it if you if you pay attention, you can kind of see where it's going. And I'm just fascinated to, to just continue to watch the evolution of. Of Dobbins, Weber, and hopefully McCall, because I do think McCall's special. And I, I think if you can get those three guys on the field, when we see them all in the—I mean, can you imagine if at Penn State all three of those guys are on the field at the same time? If that's the offense against Penn State, that's a problem for anybody, including the Nittany Lions. So I'm going to look for that first and foremost. The, the continued evolution of the playmakers and the—you know—all these guys are basically running backs, for lack of a better term. That's kind of what yeah. they are. Um, so I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm excited to watch the continued evolution of that.
1: Well, and, and what I recommend people do, and I would agree with that, I think that's an excellent first point, is that go on the website, check out you know what Kyle and other people have been writing about, uh, how the offense has evolved, especially the passing game, and then see how that's applied against Maryland, which will give Ohio State yes. a different test than they've seen in the past several weeks. Because if you want to know if those concepts are working, well, you're going to find out a little bit, I think. I mean, they're look, Maryland is not an incredible team. They, you know, they lost to UCF uh, and only put up 10 points against them. Uh, but they do have that really great win over Texas and they're coming off a pretty good win against Minnesota so they will they will make Ohio State sweat a little bit at least work a little bit and i want to see if those concepts are working i i think that's a good way to to test that theory a little bit
0: yeah absolutely number 2 for me i i'm going to i'm i to me the i think the defense will get there it's getting better and i'll get to that in my third point but um in the last 2 weeks i've seen 2 weeks ago i saw Paris Campbell flash and last week i see Johnny Dixon flash and get out of the doghouse those two guys to me of the receivers that I've seen um, those two guys have the potential to maybe be game breakers. And so I want to see continued building of confidence of those two players. Um, And I I hope that it continues this week. So I'm, I'm curious how the passing game continues to evolve. Both of those guys flourish and 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 people do need to read what what Kyle did today. Um, and I'm, we taped this on a Tuesday. I think it launch, went onto the site to this morning is when I saw it. Um, because it really is a good it's a good explanation of what you're seeing. And and Dixon and Campbell it both fits their game. So I I guess what I'm getting at is with 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 Dobbins, Weber, McCall, Dixon, Campbell. Now all of a sudden I can say you know two weeks ago we we're after Oklahoma or three weeks ago after Oklahoma we were saying there's nobody on Ohio State's offense that scares you outside of Dobbins, and now you're saying okay. Well, now maybe we're getting somewhere. We're getting yeah. somewhere. And I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to have to be Penn State, but we're getting somewhere. And so that's the second thing for me is, is a continued evolution at the receiver position, specifically with Dixon and Campbell. I'd like to see those kids continue to play confidently.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a really good point. The second thing for me is uh, defense, specifically linebackers. I want to see how the linebackers are going to perform. Um, they've had some attrition. You've had a lot of guys coming in and out. Uh, are they going to be able to stand up against the run? Are they going to be able to defend the pass well, especially to the sides of the field where you got to make a lot more plays and, and run a little bit more? Um, I, I think that's a position where you could possibly wear down as the season goes. So I, I want to see linebacker play. I want to see them be very stout against the run. They, they've done some really, really good things lately. Uh, I want to see that continue. And especially with, you know, guys who some people, you know, like you got tough Borland out there. You want to see them be able to spell some of the other dudes and uh, just make sure that their, their level of play doesn't drop the farther you get into Big Ten season.
0: Well, you you went defense, I'm going there at the end because I think that it's starting to really sharpen. I think that the, the competition on the defensive line is really playing off. I was excited to see Chase Young play and kind of have an impact in the game last week. And we saw Baron Browning running around and the secondary is going to get tested this week. Uh, Maryland's got NFL player at receiver who can make some things make some things happen. So um, I, I think the defense is continued growth. Look, folks, I like where we're at. I, I know, I, I mean, Herbie said it, we're never going to know until Penn State. But you watch these games the way that most of us do, as intently as we do, and you can see growth. And I, I think the defense has come around a lot the last couple of weeks, and this is a bigger test for them because uh, Maryland's got some playmakers. They could, they've they recruited pretty well, and they've got some playmakers. And, and the defense will – this is a nice test for them before they get uh, Nebraska in a couple of weeks and then obviously Penn State at the end of the month.
1: My last thing is the line <laughs> on this game. Uh, I, you know, you know, normally I, I give Vegas the full benefit of the doubt. Where are we? It, it's, it's, well, depending on the service you look at, it's around 30 to 31 okay. uh, the, the, that they're giving Ohio state. And I don't, I like, I don't like, I think Ohio state's going to play pretty well in this game. I expect them to win. I don't expect them to skunk Maryland by over four touchdowns. So I, I will see how that works out,
0: but Ohio I state's only covered curious. once this year and it was last year. yeah. Week.
1: Yeah, I would take I would definitely take uh Maryland on that because I don't think that's gonna work out for Ohio State.
0: I was so. shocked by it too. I mean, 30 is so hard. People don't realize you forget like you like look what happened against uh UNLV. I think the spread in that game was forty, and you know, you're up, you know, forty one to nothing or whatever the heck the score was, and they end up not covering because they, you know, mess around in the end of the game and it's fifty something to twenty something they don't cover. So right. yeah, thirty's a lot. 30 is an awful lot. I want to ask you this question. Is it okay. unreasonable? Today we taped the television show, and um, and James and Dan, who are great guys, and last week they hadn't seen The Sopranos, and this week it's Maryland. And so I said, have you seen The Wire? And they both said no. And I, I was incredulous. I just, like, I don't understand. Like, you're mid-20s. Like, at this point, you've had enough free time to binge watch a drama. And yeah. I don't know how that those would not be the two, how one of those, at least, would not be the one that you would have chosen. I don't know what the hell they're watching, but they didn't choose this. So, so I there's there's some apparently there's some pretty good gifts going around in our Slack of of my reaction to them telling me they have seen the Wire. Is it unreasonable? Am I being unreasonable, Johnny? I mean, you deal with young kids all the time. Is it am I unreasonable (laughs) to think that that should be a a a minimum requirement of a 25 year old, uh, you know, out of college and and in in the workforce that they have seen either the Sopranos or the Wire?
1: No, right now, no, I don't think it's unreasonable. I, I think in about five to ten years, yes, because all the kids that I teach, I mean, they're, all their media is consumed through YouTube. I mean, that's not – they don't even really watch crazy? a lot of TV anymore, period. I mean, they they right. want to see their channels, and they want to see their guys, like, you know, blowing stuff up on a trampoline or whatever. Um, but they don't watch a whole lot of, like, serial shows, like, you know, in a row. Like, that's not just how they consume media. Um but shoot, I mean, I show my students, you know, parts of the wire sometimes. You I should. About stuff. Uh, I think you know. they should show it
0: in schools. I agree. Yeah, I'm I glad show, you do you know, it. it. I recommend very that.
1: First scene, you know, where they you know they talk about snot boogie, like I talk about all. Yeah. I show them all that kind of stuff. So good for it, you. Yeah, I think well, and it, it illustrates a lot of really good points in that show. Sure. I I think it's it's an excellent show. I think everybody should watch it. One of the things I was thinking about though, you know, because um, the creator of the the wire, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his name
0: right now david simon
1: yes david simon he's got the new one out on hbo i've watched yeah the deuce which is pretty i think it's pretty good
0: yeah Um, i I think it it reminds me a lot of treme where there's um you know it's just kind of like a it's it's kind of like you just yeah it's a real slow you know the stakes aren't that high so it's a hard you know it's a really slow moving thing um there's enough charisma with the actors that i'm going to continue to. i'll watch it and keep giving it a shot but um, I'm not too jacked up about it. Like it's not something I look forward to watching the way I did the wire. And Tremay was that way too. And I love New Orleans and I love Simon, but Tremay never took for me. Uh well, for the same reason. I would say. Right. Just kind of like it felt about, like just kind of like eavesdropping on life, you know?
1: Right. And and so here's what I would say about these about these shows. Cause like you watch Tremaine and you watch uh the deuce and all the things like that. And even uh Show Me a Hero, which I watched, which is incredible. Um they've got these really lush, vibrant kind of worlds that they create. And with HD, you can see all of it. Like it it really creates this thing that sucks you in, but with the wire, like, again, it was shot, you know, in an aspect ratio that a lot of kids are going to look at and go like, what's wrong with this? Why is this on VHS? You know what I mean? And for them, it just like an immediate turnoff. And so even for guys in their twenties, they may see that and like, yeah but you know game of thrones is on it's like 15 million dollars an episode and you know i i just think it's it's a different way to consume media i'm used to it because i watch you know like sd television my whole life and on big crt tv and whatever but if for most of your adult life you've been watching hd stuff and that's how you consume media or you've been watching it on youtube you may not be as inclined to go back and check out the stuff that wasn't you know that was not the wire in- been
0: remastered in hd I don't know if it has or it hasn't. I I mean, when I watched it,
1: it was was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it has been because I I think I like about 10 years ago, I I ran through it again. I don't have an argument.
1: They don't have an excuse. So,
0: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there's no excuse. I don't want to hear it. Uh, Do we have any ask us anything? We could probably do a couple quick if we have. Yeah, we
1: got one more real quick. By the way, guys, if you want to ask us anything, please send us a line, either dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Uh, We've got one from our good friend Alvin. If you could pick any non-OSU coach or coordinator to join Urban Staff for Life, who would it be and why?
0: Any non-Ohio State coach or coordinator. Correct. Join Urban Staff for Life. I would probably go back to Herman. Um, I thought the Ohio State offense was... I mean, he says coach or coordinator, so theoretically I could take... I mean, you could just say like Saban and be ridiculous but I mean I guess Herman's probably ridiculous too but I mean I, I liked what the offense was under Tom I loved the tempo I love the way that it moved I love the way he recruited and I liked the idea of him eventually being the Ohio State head coach and that's not going to happen now so um, <laughs> I guess I would say Herman would be the guy that I would pick he jumps to my mind yeah I
1: think that's a good one I you know I'm trying to think of guys that I like really coveted, you know, and, and wanted in the past. And and some of them have moved on to, to teams and not done as well. But there are also some guys who are head coaches that I think would be really, really great assistant coaches that I would really love to see, you know, perform kind of bit roles. Cause like, mm-hmm. let me put it this way. I would love the idea of a Pat Fitzgerald on an Urban Meyer staff. Like he wouldn't be an assistant yeah. coach. He would he may not even be a coordinator, but I would love him as like the linebackers coach. Like I would lose my mind. <laughs> if you were doing defensive line or something like that, like I would love that. Um, yeah. so I, I think there are a lot of dudes out there who are like, all right, let's, let's bring them on and just make this super team. Uh, they'd have to really like massage their egos a little bit, but I think that would be really fun. So a guy like him or, you know, any, any number of guys who have been uh long time staff guys on other squads, especially like, I mean, you look at like Virginia tech and some of the guys there, it'll keep forever. It'd be cool to bring them back on. um, I don't know, Jim Haycock in an advisory role. I Just stuff like that. Like I, I love the bit players who have put in an enormous amount of time. That's why I love Larry Johnson so much. Um, I think that yeah, kind of
0: stuff is really just fun. Tremendous.
1: Right, yeah. so if I'll you can you find you, bro, guys like that, I'll bring them on. That'd yeah. be great.
0: As a guy who's a fan of interesting and and someone who's in you know who creates content at least for for part of his week, uh, yeah, like Lane Kiffin would just be phenomenal. <laughs> like urban dealing with Lane Kiffin would just be spectacular. I mean, I love to see uh, that. Uh, all right, so we want to thank Kirk Herb Street for joining us, and uh, we'll put a ribbon on this thing. Good stuff as always, my friend. We'll be back next week, and we will uh, be reflecting on the Maryland game and looking ahead to Nebraska at night. So, thank you for listening. Please rate it; we do would appreciate that, and subscribe as well. Uh, good stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Yep. Talk to you next week.